Okay, so this is the very first episode of Watch and Listen. I'm Kate Meschuk. I'm Ella Ajiaka. I'm Sarah Hart. And today we're going to be review- reviewing uh, National Treasure. So National Treasure is a movie made in 2004 that was actually made by Disney, which I did not know. What? Yeah, it was made by Disney. We watched it on Disney+. We Plus. watched it on Disney+. Plus. Why did my brain think that was Netflix? I mean, I, I think I just clocked out. I think it was because the last thing your mom was watching was on Netflix, and I was like, yes, this is the logical conclusion. That honestly it's might have been like it. It's from, like, that era when Disney were, was making, like, a bunch of, like, action-adventure-style movies. Yeah. And, like, true. really good quality. So. Well. Well. <laughs> good quality is in a, relative. In a technical sense. In a technical sense. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, But I'm just going to summarize the movie really fast. Also, warning, this is spoilers, so if you have been on your toes waiting to see National Treasure, which came out, you know, 16 years ago. No, 17 years ago The Statue of Limitations is up. Yeah, just... (laughs) Basically, spoilers. So, the movie opens, and then it follows this guy named Ben Gates and his friend Riley, um, working with a man called Ian to find a ship called the Charlotte. Um, There's been a secret kept in the Gates family for hundreds of years, um, and it's involving a- around the Freemasons and the Knights Templar and a secret treasure. And on the last dying breath of uh, someone who signed the Declaration of Independence, he gave the note, the secret lies with Charlotte, to his stable boy. And that stable boy was one of the Gates family members. Eventually, they grew up, years passed, and now Ben finds the Charlotte with Ian and Riley. However, Ian turns on them and... Riley and Ben have to escape. Um, after this, it was, uh, it was just so it was so predictable. Yeah, it let was me a just very... start. Let me just start by saying <laughs> the British guy with like weird blonde hair. It's know, an American movie. The British guy is going to be the villain. He's wearing like this like white parka. He's like he's like this like super suspicious like blonde guy. They like, kept panning over to his face in a suspicious. Like facial expression. Yeah, I literally I called the I called it basically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even though you've already seen the movie before. This. I like kind of forgot like all of the movie though. Oh yeah, and my favorite part was how all the like basically Ian's minions were all like Scottish and yeah. Irish. What is I just that? Think I still don't get that classism. Classism. <laughs> Damn. The about people, classism. The Irish people have been subject subjected to. Oh my god. Subjected to servitude by the British for years. I can't believe that this movie is about Irish slavery. <laughs> wow, deep commentary. So back what a, to what a sharp nuance. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the plot of the movie. Um Ben and Riley basically contact every single member of like just like American security, they go to the uh, they go to the FBI. I think they go to the CIA, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and they end up at the National Archives where they meet Doctor Abigail Chase. Ooh! Um, <laughs> and basically, they're like, someone's gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. That's why basically they got mad at Ian because they figured out um, in the code they found in the in the Charlotte the ship. Um, the code is on the back of the Declaration of Independence, and what are they gonna do? Big shocker! Um, basically, <laughs> she's like, you guys are crazy, get out of here, and then 
Ben and Riley hatch a plan to sneak into the National Archives during a gala, steal the Declaration of Independence. A bunch of like technical things happen where they explain too how long of a sequence. It. Of yeah, that it's happens. like it's a solid fifteen minutes of the movie. Um. Anyways, they basically get to the Declaration, but then Ian and his uh, minions are also there. So then they're running away. They're shooting at Ben. He escapes, but not without revealing his credit card information. So, oh no, they oh, know who nuts. he was there. Let me backtrack for just a second. He runs into the girl, uh, Abigail. Mm-hmm. Abigail. Yes. He runs into her, and he gives, like, the weirdest, like, spiel to her. He's like, to treason. Because to high treason, yes. To high treason. Because these, like... God, what does he say? Because he, the American revolutionaries would have. But been he, he starts talking about yeah. like their entrails will get would have gotten. He's like my favorite out. part. They would have gotten beheaded and cor- cor- quartered and tarred and feathered, and their entrails would have been pulled out. And then Abigail's just like, mm, oh my god. He's so, so high. He's explaining to thing, me like things that I already know. Anyway, I thought that part was whack as hell. And then he Definitely. downs a yeah. whole champagne glass, and he <laughs> oh, goes into yeah. his mission, like, kind of tipsy. That's, like, something that's, like, super characteristic in this movie. Like, he'll do, like, really random things, which is are, like, you could play it off as being really funny, but it's just weird in the context that his character does it. It's just so strange, and there's, like, little little bits and pieces around the whole film. That's and, then, like, and then yeah. it just always cuts to Abigail being, like, that's kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah. The funniest thing is, is that Abigail definitely knows more than him because she's the director of the National Yeah, Archives. you have to fight to get to that position whether or not you're a woman or a man. Like, yeah. you have to be really, really smart and you have to fight a lot of people to get up to that high stature. Yeah, she looks, and then the fact yeah. that he's like, you know these coins on your desk that you've literally, like, known about for years? I know about them. And she's like, okay. Yeah, he mansplains her own interest to her and she just lets him. And she, like, likes it. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that 2004. I don't I'm know not even that, that smart, and when men try to do that to me, I'm like, yeah, go away. Like, I'm yeah. not like, man, Nick Cage is so hot when he does that. <laughs> okay, continue. Um, they escape with the Declaration they, of Independence. They get the Declaration of Independence, but not before um, Abigail finds it, um, and then Ian also finds Abigail. He basically, like, kidnaps her for a solid three minutes, um, and they have this crazy chase scene, uh, throughout Washington, D.C., um, involving a food truck and then the van that Riley is driving because, oh, poor Riley, he is being shot at so much in this movie, he has a gun held to his head, I think, at least six times. Like, damn, this, <laughs> this poor man, all he wanted to do was be friends with Ben. <laughs> Which was a bad choice in and of itself. But anyways. Nothing good comes from Nick Cage. There I said it. <laughs> Damn. I mean, yeah, we all kind of knew this. <laughs> what a hot steaming take, Sarah. <laughs> uh, anyways, but they get Abigail um, and the Declaration. Well, they actually had a secret uh, swap with the Declaration of Independence. Ooh. Wow. Anyways, then they go to Ben's dad's house to try and find um, letters, which are more keys. They basically find the map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. It really is there. It was just invisible the whole time. Invisible oh. ink. Invisible ink. Revealed um, with lemon. Lemon and juice and hot heat. air. <laughs> they use a blow dryer and then they start blowing it on the back. I know, but the scene, the scene where they, they use the hot air to reveal the message is so weird because they both like exhale. They're like, ah. 
They lean up really <laughs> close to the document, and Nick Cage is only looking at uh, Abigail the entire time, and then they, like, they, like, on it. And, and then, then she's like, like it it's appears. real. And then the message, like, appears, like, all, like, like, really fast. It's like, just honestly, so like, after COVID, I would never want to be that close to someone's face and, like, breathing. I don't even want to be that close to somebody to begin with, especially Nick Cage. <laughs> I feel so bad for the actress who played Abigail. No, because then he looks up after they're both leading, and she's, like, still staring at the page because she's like, wow, that's crazy. And he just looks at her and, like, gives her the weirdest smile that I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. Um, so they go to um, his dad's house, which ends up leading them to Philadelphia. They find more clues, more things happen. They get chased again, but they lose the Declaration of Independence. However they find these cool glasses, and they're like, oh no, what are these for? Then Ben gets arrested. As he should. Yep. Um, He's a menace to society. Basically, Abigail and Riley make a deal with Ian to break him out of custody, essentially, so that they can go find the treasure. Um, They end up going to, I think, uh, a church at this point, and then they go into the catacombs. I think. Uh, it was with Ian, Abigail, uh, Riley, Ben, and then the whole Minion crew. There's a lot of them, by the way. There's also the dad. There's also oh, the yes. dad that they kidnapped. Yes. They basically make, this whole group of people basically resolves to find the next clue or whatever they'll find inside the catacombs together because they have the same goal, but there's still, like, underlying tones of, like, you know, being enemies and stuff, mm-hmm. so it's a really interesting dynamic and character. Yeah, this is definitely, like, oh, we're only doing this because we absolutely, like, have to work together, but then again, Ian is quite literally, well, metaphorically, holding a gun to Ben's head, and he says, if you if you do anything wrong, like, I, I will kill you guys, basically. Yeah. So, they go down into the catacombs, so a random minion dies, like, he falls oh, yeah. down. And then no one bats an eye. Yeah, no, that was a really weird part of the movie. Anyways. <laughs> it um, was a really, really long fall, too. No. Like, they cut back to everyone's reactions, <laughs> and he was still falling. But then again, this place that they found beneath the church is, like, super old, completely made of wood, completely rotting. So then, like, people end up falling, people get hurt, uh, I don't know, no one dies Whole besides the one. scene, lots of, like, swinging pieces of wood. And, yeah. Like, rope bridge Ow. things, and everyone's falling and screaming, and there's fire, <laughs> like. It's a lot. Nick Cage really sacrifices the girl that he just know, kissed Nick, to Nick go Cage. get the Declaration of Independence, and when he's like, oh, I'm sorry that I did that, she's like, I would have dropped you. <laughs> <laughs> it was really that part was actually really funny. And then Riley's like, I would have dropped both of you, freaks. Agree, Riley, agree. Um, anyways, but then they get down to another section. Uh there's a lantern hanging there, and then Ian, oh no, he turns on them again Whoa. for like the fourth time in this thunk. movie. Yeah, and then basically the dad um tells Ian the clue and they leave them there. And then the dad and Ben are like, oh, ha, ho, but we told them the wrong clue. They go through using all, like, the clues that they found. <laughs> Which I thought that they couldn't lie. That they were, like, really, really bad yeah, at lying. Yeah, that was something they said at the beginning. Like, oh, my gosh, like, you're so bad at lying. Like, he's like, so honest. He's like, you've seen me play poker. Tricks. Like, you've seen me play poker before. I can't lie. Like, nobody in my family can lie very well. And then they lie, and then the guy just, like, completely believes them. And then they're like, oh. But we were lying. 
the thing I think it's meant to show character progression, but at the same time, they're also really bad actors. Everyone in this, like, every character in this movie is extremely static, so I don't Mm -hmm. believe that. (laughs) It was very, it was definitely interesting. I also think it was a thing of, oh, ho, ho, Ian is British and everyone else here is American. So of course they know American history. The Scottish henchman. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, it, it was interesting but then they go through um using like all like the clues that they found and they actually don't find something at first however they then go through another door in a they very put the, prolonged they put sequence the pipe in the like thingy in like the door yeah it was very some weird. sort of lock and key situation um americans like to make things uh, obsessively complicated yeah, yeah for no reason and i think this movie just really showcases that. Yeah. They end up finding uh, all the treasure, and then there's a sequence where you can see, like, basically a bunch of, like, torches and that, like, kind of, like, fire lane thing. I still have to look up what that was. Um, But uh, they see all these treasures, and then everyone's finding cool things, and then Riley looks over and he goes, guys, look, stares with, with tears, tears in his <laughs> it's eyes. It's so funny. <laughs> he, yeah, he was really happy that they were able to escape. Um, but then, you know, the guy who initially arrested Ben is like, you know, someone has to go to jail, and then they go and arrest Ian, and then Ben emerges from the shadows when he sees know, Ian. That part, <laughs> that part is so funny. So funny. No, because you could tell he, that Nick Cage like, was like, this is gonna rock the crowd. <laughs> he's in the shadow of, like, a stoop on someone's, like, front porch or something, and he's steps out onto the street with this, like, evil-slash-triumphant-looking grin, and he just makes eye contact with the villain, and he's like, ah, ah, ah. Oh and God. it's, like, so weird, and, like, like, I think we died laughing for, like, about 15 minutes after seeing that. Then, anyways, oh, by the way, at this point, everyone is, like, super dirty, and it's kind of gross, and they're all, like, covered in, like, dirt and dust. they just went into a dusty area. No, like, and when Ben, like, emerges from the shadows, like, all triumphant, like, he's, like, super dirty. And, like, also covered in cobwebs. And his outfit is whack. (laughs) Oh, we'll talk about the outfits. Don't worry about that. Anyways, movie ends. Ben and Abigail are happily dating. They bought a fancy estate, and they're gonna go seek to a... New museum opening, and then Riley drives away in his fancy new car. And that he, he gets a velvet blazer. He changes into a velvet blazer, which I yes. think is the best part of the whole movie. Yes, yeah. he does. So now we're basically just going to move on to opinion section. So for like the story and the writing, what did you guys think? Um, <laughs> I literally don't know how to feel. This was my first time watching it. They've watched it before. Uh, Sarah kind of forgot, but like Kate knows, and I literally couldn't understand what was happening and I had to have like Kate explain what was happening to me because when men just obsessively and like very irritatingly talk about something with like grandiose language for an extremely long amount of time I just automatically check out. Yeah I've seen this movie about 20 times because it's like my favorite terrible movie um, I watched it for my 13th birthday party, actually. Oh my god. Aww, yeah, great. you know, it was a really fun time. I'm not really friends with any of those people anymore, and I wonder why. <laughs> Ella is currently, she has Sorry. her knees up and she's like crying. <laughs> no, you're so lucky we're already really good friends or else I would follow 
<laughs> this movie, okay, I can't even be, like, nice about it. The things about this movie that I liked, Riley, but it was literally, like, he's concocted to make you like him. Yeah. Because he's the audience perspective, and he's the one always asking questions of the smart history people, so then the audience yeah. knows what mm-hmm. they're talking he's about. He's relatable. The audience relates to him. He gets yeah. a velvet blazer, and oh. then I like Abigail's dress. Oh, such a nice dress. I don't like anything else. I literally, like, the rest of it is so, like, painful to watch. They find the glasses, and Nick Cage refers to them as ocular devices. (laughs) Shut up! It hurts so much to watch. He's just, like, a 2004, like, version of, like, an incel, basically. Like, he's just, so right. He just, he mansplains everything, and then he's, his character is just so unlikable. If you took a shot every single time that he cut off the girl in the movie, you'd be dead on the floor. Just like yeah. he just cut me off. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm actually Nick Cage. Oh my god, <laughs> Alice Nick Cage! His character was just so unlikable. I, I feel like he was, the character was, like, written and intended to be, like, this, like, oh my gosh, cool male protagonist. It's also this, like, nerdy, fun guy that knows about American history, but he just came off as, like, pretentious, because mm-hmm. and he would, like, the girl would say something, he'd rattle off some dates about, like, when things happened, or when historical events happened, and then everyone would be like, oh, wow, he's so smart, he knows so much about history, and he would just cut everyone off around him, and it was just... I just didn't like him. I couldn't relate to him. I didn't like him at all. I think I actually liked Abigail a bit. I mean, like, there's obviously problems with her, like, character and how it's, like, she always just, like, kind of lets Ben, like, walk all over her at some points. But I also like her, like her because it's, like, we're seen as, like, a woman in a position of, like, kind of, like, power. Because she's the director of the National Archives, mm-hmm. one. And for as someone who really likes history and wants to do, you know, similar things to that one day, it was kind of nice to see, um... I don't know, people really excited about what they're talking about, even if it's something that is from a fourth grade textbook. Yeah. True. I I do agree. I I mean, when you look at, like, the more, um, you know, contemporary negative female stereotypes that you see in media, like, this is going out (laughs) way on a a limb, but, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, the, the girl that's, like, the broken bird, the sexy tragic muse, like, we don't really see any of that in her. It's just more of, like, the covertly, um, toxic, masculine, um, undertones that come with her character, I think. Yeah. You know, letting the male protagonist make the decisions Mm -hmm. and, and basically move the plot forward and be the smart one and be the one that's, like, the chosen one in the movie. I feel like that is the main issue, which is, like, better than a lot of other movies. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, like, I said this at the beginning, like, she's not a sexy lamp character, like, we're the Mm -hmm. sexy lamp complex, where it's, like, you replace a woman with a sexy lamp and, like, a piece of media and see if it still holds up. It wouldn't hold up if she was replaced, basically. So her character is needed, it's just that she isn't seen as important as some of the other characters. Yeah, she's not integral to the plot. Mm -hmm. She's sort of, she's really objectified. The Mm -hmm. most that she could have as, like, an impact on the story, as, like, a role that she would play would be the smart girl. Yeah. And everybody in this movie is supposed to be smart in their own way, but, like, even her specific, like, intelligence is literally just Ben's intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, minus the preservation thing, because she was the only person who actually knew how to basically figure out what was on the map. 
properly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the dad kind of, because he was like, guys, why don't you just throw it in the oven so the ink will show up? Because you need heat for the ink to show up. Anyways, that was very interesting. Let's move on to actors um, and acting. So oh. let's talk about Nick Cage. Oh, <laughs> many issues with Nick Cage. He only knows how to be angry. Like, he only knows how to be angry and, oh, emotion, negative emotion, frustration coming in through my voice. But then I have to be, like, cute and, like, kind of, like, quirky, I guess. And, like, trying to be cool. And, like, it comes off as, like, just this, like, horribly, like, horribly researched, horribly, done, like, done character in general, I think. I can't stand him. <laughs> I... He has multiple moments where it's supposed to be to his father, specifically. So, it's not even like, oh, they don't really have that much of a relationship yet. It's like, no, he clearly very much likes his father. And he, he sees his father, like, trying to avoid the questions that he's make, that he's asking. And he's like, Dad, what's going on? What are you doing? It's completely straight-faced, like, there's nothing behind it. And then when he sees that his dad is kidnapped by Ian, he's like, Dad. And that's supposed to be like, whoa, he's so sad about it. He makes his dad go down the rickety stairs first. Yeah! Yeah! His dad's like, I don't want to go down there. Those stairs are probably rotten. He's like, Dad, it's fine. Go. No, he and his his dad is not young. Like, his dad is not young at all. Like, my guess is that he might be, like, mid-50s, 60s. Like, he's not in his mid-50s. He is probably way older. Like, he is way older. He's old. Like, it's like, he's... He is graying. He's not even graying. He's gray. Yeah, he he has lots of wrinkles. Anyways, just... Why don't he treat his dad better? I feel so bad. Yeah, his character is so hard to like because he doesn't treat... He, like, he's very narcissistic. I don't think he's a narcissist, necessarily. But he's, like, incredibly narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, he, he, he's just, it feels like he's never been told he's wrong in his life, or it has never been proven yeah. wrong, so every inconvenience, even if it's when someone's disagreeing with them, is, like, something out to get him, and I hate people like that, like, in real life and on the screen. Yeah. The thing is, there's also, like, he has single lines where he asks people if they're alright, and I feel yeah. like it's a last-minute addition that they made to it because it has no impact. Nobody thinks of him as, like, this, like, genuinely nice figure. They just think of him as, like, a can't-do-wrong god because Nick Cage produced this movie. Um, that's the way to tell when (laughs) really, really cool, awesome, knows-everything action guy, if you just look if he produced the movie, that's why. Because he doesn't want to look like an idiot, and he wants to be the cool guy in the movie. It's, like, I immediately asked Kate, is he a producer in the movie? Yeah. And I knew the answer automatically. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where, um, the, Riley and Abigail's characters, they call, um, Nicolas Cage's character, um, and they're like, hey, we, we lost the Declaration of Independence. We got caught. We got held up. And he's like, ugh, 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 you okay? Ugh, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> he has, like, one, one real character that he can play, and that's frustrated. No other, like, no empathy for the other characters who are supposed to be, like, his dearest colleagues. No, no other emotion, any semblance of anything that's not anger and frustration. Everyone around him is a tool to show how cool he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
Because Riley isn't super yeah. masculine. He's just kind yeah. of a nerd. The girl is a girl, so why could she be cool? Ian's bad and British, so the how dad, can he be cool? The, the dad, dad is old. old. He's, he's old. young and hot. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't even, like, it's not even, like, if he, he's not someone that I feel like that I could meet in real life. It's, like, a fundamental problem with the writing. Mm-hmm. That he was written this way. It's not necessarily the way he was portrayed. He was written that way. And yeah. you can de- it definitely shows, I think. Because the writing is awful. Yeah, not not amazing. Definitely not in the top ten. It's the type of writing that doesn't trust its audience to make, like, any guesses in mm-hmm. the movie. It just automatically hands everything to mm-hmm. you. Which, like, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, thank you. I don't understand why you're going to this place. But then other times you're like, okay, why did they go to that place anyway? It really didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. like, basically the almost the entire detour to his dad's house made no yeah. sense. And they could have done it, that anywhere. Yeah. Sometimes the explaining and over-explaining and going to, like, different locations just feels like an element, like a plot element or a plot device to just show how nerdy Nick Cage is character is mm-hmm. yeah just to show like oh look he's a nerd he likes history he knows all this about american history he figured this really complex american history riddle out so they're going to go do this and like and then like plot wise it like does nothing else except enforce this like narrative about his character that's really one-dimensional yeah he says the line it's a riddle we need to think <laughs> <laughs> i remembered it I don't like it. <laughs> and then he walks around in this icy area, and he's just like, if the declaration of... And then nobody is paying attention. Nobody like, cares. There's, there is no way. I was trying so hard. It's the beginning of the movie. I'm not even tapped out yet to try to understand what he's saying. I tapped out immediately. He's so boring to listen to. Yeah. Nick yeah. Cage can't understand, like building suspense it was all monotone mm-hmm. yeah pretty much like the only moment where i thought it was like legitimately interesting where we learned about history was not when it was from nick uh nick cage's perspective or ben as he is in the movie but it's it was nick. from <laughs> but it was from riley's perspective because yeah. at one moment they're they're trying to figure out something about uh like daylight savings and they realize uh that like the time that they need to go look at something it's past that but uh riley's like oh my gosh guys I know something about history that you guys don't. Is this how it feels? Is this how, is this what it's like to be smart? And they're like, Riley, shut up and get to explaining. And he's like, okay, fine. But like, he actually explains it and he's like super interested about it. And it's like, the thing that, the reason we like that part is because it's not Nick Cage explaining it. So it makes it legitimately interesting. And every time that Abigail tries to explain something, they do this like, little quirky cute Nick Cage cuts her off in the middle of her sentence and then she picks up at the beginning of his next sentence and then he finishes it. I hate that in movies. It does. It's not this specific. Everybody tries to use it as like a, they're connecting. They're so intertwined. They're, their, their relationship. Energy. Their energies are just so in sync. No, it's annoying. It's not quirky. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. You're gross. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, like the first time they do they do that, they haven't even known each other for 24 hours. Like they've known each other for You're maybe so like right. 10 hours at the most. I don't know. And it's... he was really weird and creepy to her. Like he was like he did that little entrails spiel. He like started mansplaining her own artifacts to her. Like yeah. She tried to run away from him, and he was, like, grabbing yeah, like, he her really tight. Yeah, he grabbed her. 
He like ta- he like body slammed her to get her from running away with the Declaration of Independence. Like, and he clearly ugh. didn't trust her later because it's turned into a joke. But he walks away because he knows they have to split up, and he's like, "Okay, Riley and Abigail go together." protect her make sure she's okay and then both riley and abigail go i will because they're both talking about the other person (laughs) but the like we know that nick cage was referencing like riley take care of abigail yeah because he doesn't trust her exactly and it's uh just lack of like character growth and progression and it's like he's not a likable protagonist it's written for like fun little like plot plot escapades rather than like actually looking at the characters in some movies it's like maybe that's the point but this one they definitely didn't intend for it to be like that they wanted to have like in-depth characters i feel like but they just like the writing uh they did not have a very good ratio of like action Mm -hmm. to to character development didn't you say that this was meant to be a family film yeah this is a family film because it's pg it's meant to be like it's disney too yeah it's meant for meant to get kids excited in history while they can also make an action movie that could make money i'm 17 i didn't understand a lick of what he was saying (laughs) i only understand it because i've seen this movie like upwards of 20 times and you also (laughs) like history and i am i love love history but fun fact i don't like american history that much okay loser no one likes american history i'm the only one but it's because my teacher was nice (laughs) i liked i i liked a push i liked a push i did not like AP US history. Not to brag. Five on the exam. Shut up. I also got a five on the exam. Oh my gosh. Somehow. My gosh. I had a good teacher. I think that's why I enjoyed it. But we digress. We digress. Yeah, anyways, um, let's just move on to like costumes and sets, like kind of like technical aspects of the movie. The only thing I really want to talk about is Abigail's gala dress because it's it's such a nice dress and it like it's like an A-line dress where it has like a V-cut, uh, and it's like navy blue. It's super pretty. Um, they added, like, volume to the skirt. It looks like something someone would wear to the Met Gala, and that would definitely be one of the things where it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, top Met Gala outfits and things. Because it was, like, such a nice dress. Like, that's basically the only thing I have to say. Everyone else in this movie has a terrible fashion sense, including our boy Ra- Riley. Like, his- But his is kind of funny, because the thing is, he's supposed to be, like, a little nerdy character, so it's like, oh, yeah, you're allowed to be wearing a hoodie and jeans that don't really fit that much, or, like, a suit that's kind of oversized, because that's, yeah. like, kind of the style. Nick Cage looks like a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to shout out when they go to Urban Outfitters, and <laughs> they go to Urban Outfitters to change clothes out of like their Met Gala, oh my god, their Met Gala looks, you know. They're going to go change and they need new clothes and they go to the cash register. The cashier at Urban Outfitters, I, I looked at her and I was like, wow, I love her style. I She looks like an Urban Outfitters she did, cashier. She did, yeah. And that is a compliment. I mean that in the. In, that is, like, the highest praise towards your fashion sense. I thought her style was awesome. And then she had one line, and I didn't see her again. <laughs> Sarah so. was talking about through the whole movie how every single extra was dressed in red, white, and oh, blue. Oh, yeah! Didn't know, like, I kept looking. I was like, why is everyone in red, white, and blue? <laughs> it's because they're the colors of America, Sarah. They're just Sarah. people on the streets of, like... Of, like, Philadelphia. American <laughs> citizens can only wear the colors red, white, and blue. It's, it's the same in France. <laughs> it's legally required of us. Um, I just thought that was funny. That was a fun little Easter egg. I definitely noticed that. Some letterbox reviews I read noticed that. It was just funny. I yeah. Think. Um. So, like, some of our final thoughts. Like, if you guys could have, like, 
basically changed one thing in this movie, what would you have changed? I would change the, the fact that when Ian gets the Declaration of Independence <laughs> from Abigail and from, what's his name, what's his name, what's his name? Riley? And Riley, because they were so close to getting hit by cars this entire movie that Ian gets hit by a car, or at least the car is about to hit him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everything For- else is so unsavable that changing one fact about this movie couldn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. The, well, like, for, for reference, they're they're running after the Declaration of Independence. It slips out of their hands. It rolls on the street. She runs to go get it. Riley grabs her and pulls her back just as a bus is about to hit them. And then the villain, he walks out super slowly into the middle of the crosswalk. Cars zooming by, picks it up and smirks no, at them. No cars go past at that point. <laughs> I checked because I was thinking about it. It's not even like cars just all stop for him. Like he's God. It's but like, but like he's standing there. It's like this like triumphant moment. The, the camera stays on him. So you think something else is going to come into the frame or something else is going to happen. I thought he was going to get hit. Nothing yeah. happens. He just stands there. I just think that's so funny considering that both of the characters previously like weren't were like fighting for their lives clearly a busy road no yeah and the thing is abigail almost gets hit by a car like four times in this movie like it doesn't make any sense like a lot of things happen to these characters uh sarah what would you have changed oh god i just nicholas cage's entire character into his entire character i would just remove it delete it Delete it. Delete it. It's just, uh, like a buddy comedy. The Adventures of Riley and Abigail. Or I would make, um, Riley and Ben, like, in love. I feel like that would add an (laughs) That's not a change. That would would add, like, an interesting dynamic, I think, and, like, break down a lot of those toxic masculinity banners, or, oh my gosh, break down those barriers of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Nick Cage has two hands. (laughs) One for Abigail and one for Riley. <laughs> this would also work, I feel like, you, if you, okay, 2004, if we really want to dig into, like, the I'm a quirky girl type of thing, gender swap everything, Nick Cage's character is now a girl, now when she cuts the man off, it's, like, kind of girl power of her, it's so feminine. Oh my gosh, she's a girl boss. Oh my gosh, oh my this girl gosh. likes history? What what a quirky girl. Girls don't like history, girls like makeup and dresses. And they like shopping. Oh, they like on. shopping... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna add on and then I like forgot what I was gonna say. Well, I, yeah. Um, they like shopping and purses and little dogs you can put in those purses ju- while you shop. They like jewelry. They like jewelry and <laughs> skirts. <laughs> we broke women down to their bare essentials. <laughs> um, if I could have changed something, it probably would have been like. Um, cut out the amount of locations that they go to because yeah, yeah they were distracting. There's a couple of like points in the movie where they change uh, like uh, like the characters that are talking because a little bit of this movie is also about the FBI agents that are chasing them, mm-hmm. and it's like it swaps back and forth from like Ben to Abigail and Riley to the FBI people to Ian back to Abigail and Riley like it's chaos and it was just like there's no reason that they needed to have that mm-hmm. many perspectives and just go to that many physical places. Also, yeah. um, the CGI in this movie was really, really bad. They're like, ex- well, it was okay. 2004. It was yes, 2004. okay, but at the same time, like, when did the Parent Trap come out? And we all thought that so Lindsay Lohan had a twin true. for real. So true. So no excuses on their end. Yeah. Also, G Force. <laughs> I think. But I the thing is, G-Force. the thing is, during the declaration, like when they're talking about in that like really long fifteen minute like 
planning period of getting all the stuff to go get Nick Cage in to go steal it or whatever, they are like, okay, when it detects somebody with a cough, it locks up and it goes down and it goes oh, down into yeah. this chamber, which is covered by a lock and blah, 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 blah. They... And they like keep blending it in a weird way. So it's like Nick Cage sometimes looks like he's in the vault. And then, <laughs> and then the, the Declaration of Independence is, looks like it's on the table with them in the it's, public library. It looks like the things you look at when it's like instructional videos. It like reminds was, me, oh. you know that guy on TikTok, or I don't know their pronouns, they're, that person on TikTok where they do like the Ed, they did the Edna Mode cosplay yeah. and the Willy Wonka cosplay and like it like the, it's like this weird like overhead dolly shot into like each scene and the person's moving really robotically that's what it reminded me of but the thing is that is like stylistic and they yeah. are aware that that's super stylistic no, and yeah, this, this is like, in this they were like whoa you can tell that this looks good <laughs> it's like no it does it's, not uh, yeah, this was definitely an interesting movie. Um, it'll be the first of many movies we get to watch. I really hope we get to watch better movies, even though our next movie that we have planned is not going to be any better. does not have the best track record. Um, but it is entertaining. <laughs> yes, so ooh, stick around to find out what that will be. Um, I'm... Yeah, and now we're going to have Sarah read a letterbox review. Yes, Multiple. this is my favorite segment of the whole show, where I read... One letterbox review um, that really stuck out to me, and um, this is a review of National Treasure. So, it goes, My own father forgot my birthday, so I watched this to drown out my sorrows. Happy birthday to me. Oh my god! Oh my god! You're joking! No. Who said it? Who said it? Go their ahead, name is Emily, and their picture, is, their profile picture is a picture of what looks like I think it's, like, Neo from The Matrix. The <laughs> what Matrix are their movies? favorite movies on their list? Oh. <laughs> this better be on Oh, there. my gosh. Okay, anyways. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not there. My it's bad. The, it's, how many stars is this review? Just want to know. Five stars. Oh, and my they, God. And they liked it, so. Dang. Wow. So, really? I would personally grade it, like, 1.5 stars out of five. Two and a half for me. Yeah, I'll probably, I, I rated it three and a half previously, but uh -huh. I'll probably knock it down to two and a half after <laughs> looking at it, like, obviously more critically, because this is, yeah. this is definitely a mindless movie. Do not watch this movie if you're going to want to, like, super deep, like, deep analyze it, unless you're us and you want to make a The thing is, so. it's not even, like, mindless to me, because mindless movies to me are, like, it's so easy to follow that you don't even need to think about it. And then mm -hmm. this one, it's like... Yeah, I really... You I, need to know the year that everything was signed. Yeah. And that the Liberty Bell isn't real. <laughs> like, yeah. It just felt like a lot of it... I, I would, like, look away for five minutes, and then I would be like, what the heck happened? What is happening? If yeah. I zoned out for, like, 15 seconds, I was done. I was literally <laughs> like, Kate, what Tapped just happened? Out. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, so, all right. That was our review of National Treasure. Uh, I'm Kate Meschuk. I'm Ella Achiaka. And I'm Sarah Hart. And this was Watch and Listen. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening to the first episode of our podcast. Yay! This has been in the works for, honestly, like, what, like, months? A bit. If you listen like, this long, you are very cool. Yes, you're, <laughs> you're probably a friend of ours, um, and that means that we really like you. So and if we don't you. know you personally, you're now a friend of ours. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> Alright, thank you guys so much. Bye! Bye! Watch and Listen is produced by Objectively Bad Media Productions. This episode of Watch and Listen was edited by Kate Meschuk. Today's guests are Sarah Hart, Ella Achiaka, and Kate Meschuk. 
find us on Twitter at objbadmediaprod. Comments, questions, film recommendations? Contact us at watchandlistenpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Watch and Listen.